They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. There goes my hero. Watch her as she goes. There goes my hero. She's not ordinary. She is not ordinary at all. That is correct. You know anything about this girl? I do know about this girl. She's completely extraordinary. Extraordinary. Is that how you say it? It is. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock. Mm -hmm. You know it. You love it. It is the podcast that is about exchanging two, not one, but two pieces of life-changing advice. We try and squeeze that in about 40, 45 minutes. (laughs) We add on. (laughs) Listen, this episode is brought to you by BookieCall. Yeah, it is. It's our innovative book discovery platform that is cleverly disguised as a dating app. We match you with the perfect book. Listen, people suck. Date a book. Download it on iOS or Android today. And listen, if you like the show, can you do us a favor? Just take a moment to give us a five-star rating and yep. a written review. That would absolutely mean a lot to us. Even just a few words, they actually do matter. It helps us grow the show so that we can give away a little bit more money to... Cannonball Kids Cancer, uh-huh. just like Anonymous did last week. Yeah. In that, that five-star rating. It was awesome. I don't know who it was. I love Anonymous. Listen, Cannonball Kids Cancer, uh, we absolutely love this organization. We've been uh, sort of sponsoring them since since we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. We are joining them in their fight for finding treatment options uh, for kids who've run out of options. So go to their website. Check out how you can get involved. CannonballKidsCancer.org. They're amazing. They are. Listen, we know how busy you are. And yep. grabbing little nuggets of wisdom that could make your life better. Tasty. Those are super hard to come by. We totally get it. And you're probably doing two things at once. You're listening to the show, but you're probably, I don't know, doing something else. And it doesn't matter to us. For instance, I don't know, you could be greasing a pole for the Scottish Highland Games. Maybe you're floating down Niagara Falls in a barrel. Or maybe you're realizing the message hypocrisy of chicken soup for the soul. What? Doesn't matter to us. We just want to be the 30 to 45 minutes you've been looking forward to all week. Chicken poop in a hole. Boom, boom. Our guest today is uh, honestly like amazing to a level that makes us feel inadequate, lazy, inadequate. There are so many words. Yes. Um, She's one of the highest rated motivational speakers on leadership and teamwork. Uh, In addition to building world-class teams, she is uh, a full-time firefighter, adventure racing world champion, Mm -hmm. CNN hero, best-selling author. I would think she possibly invented bread. I don't know. Uh, It wouldn't wouldn't surprise me to find out she separated H2 and O (laughs) so that this earth could exist. Please welcome to Thoughts That Rock, Robin Benacasa. Robin, thank you so much for joining us. 
Yay! You guys are so cute. I only invented slicing the bread. <laughs> hey, before we were just carrying loaves around. So thank you for that. That's it. You're welcome. You're welcome. You know how messy it was to just try to take a bite out of a loaf of bread? Was, yes. Oh, yeah. I shared it with all your friends. I mean, that was the worst. I had to come up with something. Yeah. Well, listen, we're going to have her full bio posted in our show notes, but just a couple of cool uh, highlights. Thank God that you're doing that, by the way, because you know this bio is like the greatest bio that we've ever had on the show. Yeah. The, I've run out of space. Our bi- Her bio is actually sponsored by Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah. It's a six-volume <laughs> series available for $19.99 on the Thoughts That Rock website. <laughs> You're not. (laughs) She is a former sales executive. She has won two world adventure races. She is a three times Guinness World Record holder for long distance kayaking. One wasn't enough. She is uh, the author of the New York Best Times, uh, New York Times bestseller, How Winning Works. Love it. Named one of the top 10 speakers featured by the Harvard Business Review, uh, one of the top 10 New York Times bestselling authors who can better your company and your life. She's the founder of Project Athena Foundation. I mean, this woman has done it all. What hasn't uh, she done? She uh, Nothing is apparently what it is. We are incredibly thankful to have you on Thoughts That Rock. We have tried for a minute to get you here. Um, she is, it's like trying to get Obama on the program uh, yeah. or, 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 or Bono. You know, it's like this, you got to get into her schedule. And so we are incredibly thankful that you're here with us. We are not going to go super deep as some uh, podcasts like to do. We are going to go straight for that juicy tidbit of advice that you're going to share with our listeners. So the floor is yours. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. That you're never defined by your setback. You're defined by your comeback. Mm. I guess we should listen since she is a... Three-time Guinness World Record holder. Yes. <laughs> Everything she, else. I, CNN she hero. She's talking about. Fine. Explain yourself. Yes. Oh, God. Okay. So, um, you know, I was kind of going along in life, doing all my sports and, you know, going to school and doing my job and doing the best that I could at everything I, you know, was interested in. From gymnastics and diving the track and judo and adventure racing and and all these things. And I was competing, you know, at, at the, the top of my game, doing great. And then... Um, in the middle of the world championships in adventure racing in Scotland, gosh, ten, oh gosh, how many years now? It's 2007. Um, I kind of hit the deck in the middle of world championships. We were near the front of the pack and my, one of my legs just stopped working. Hmm. And yeah, so I had to kind of take a piece of rope and tie it around my leg so that I could keep moving my leg forward. I had to physically move it forward with a rope for the rest of the race and I didn't know what the heck was going on. My teammates took my packs, you know, we, we, we finished, we did, we did swell, but I went home and I discovered that I had end stage osteoarthritis in both my hips. Like I was, you know, bone on bone and on both my hips. And mm. I mean, I'd never been to an orthopedic specialist, like in my life, the only thing problem I'd ever had was like a broken finger and, you know, well, nearly dying in adventure races, but that you know, was nothing that. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that. <laughs> Who hasn't? <laughs> right. Like the first time, I mean, literally 10 minutes into this visit, he just pops these x-rays up and says, hey, guess what? You're never going to run again. And um, you need two hip replacements. Wow. And yeah, it was like that, you know, needle off the record kind of kind of moment. And uh, so I had to, you know, sit with that for a minute and think, you know, wow, I am 
I'm not only, I mean, I'm not only not going to be a, a great adventure racer anymore. I may never be able to do any of the sports that I love again, you know, ever. And so I started um, having my hips replaced and yada, yada, yada. I ended up having six hip replacements oh. over, over many years. Cause the so first, how many, two- how many hips do you have? <laughs> She's got six new ones apparently. <laughs> So the first two shines I got were they they build them for like getting your life back, get your athletic life back, and you can run and you can play tennis and you can do this. And turns out, um, yada yada yada, that uh, that those were like the worst possible types of hip replacements to have if you wanted to be super active. They learned that later on, and especially in women. So both of mine failed. I was also a dumbass in that I tried to race again really soon after my first hip replacement, cracked my femur. Um, we still did good in the race, though. I was just, I was just in a crap load of pain for like eight days. And I went home and they were like, yeah, your whole fever's cracked. So I was like, okay, that explains that. But um, then I had to have two new replacements. And then the cups started failing. It, it was a mess. It don't even, yeah. So anyway, I started having hip replacements. But in, in the process of kind of those first two hip replacements, um, I, I realized that, you know, that this isn't, you know, I'm not going to be the girl with hip replacements. That's not going to define me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the girl that kicked ass with two hip replacements. Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of got it in my head. You know, this doesn't define me. I'm defined by what I do now, you know, yeah. what I do with this. Yeah. And that kind of led me to down a couple different roads. I, I decided, you know, I'm, I have to do something for myself. And instead of focusing what I, on what I can't do, which is, adventure race at the top of my game anymore. I was like, well, what can I do? You know, and that list was a lot longer, you know, the things that I still could do once I kind of shifted my focus and said, don't focus on the stuff you can't do focus on what you can do. And I went, you know what? I can sit in a boat, you know, I don't need to, I mean, I can, I can, so I started like crutching down to my boat, leaving my crutches on, Mm. on the sand and slithering into my kayak. And it was like, I was a new person. You know, I didn't need the rest of my body to, you know, to, to kind of, I mean, you do need to push with your legs and all that, but it wasn't the same weight of standing. Yeah. Um, so, so being on crutches off and on for months and months at a time, I just started doing a crap load of paddling and I was like, well, why don't I, but let me not just like paddle around. What if I like tried to break the Guinness world record, you know, for longest distance paddled by a female in a kayak in 24 hours. And I was lucky enough, once I kind of put that out into the universe, I met a guy who um, is to this day the best endurance kayaker in the world, a guy named Carter Johnson. And he was sort of on that same track of breaking Guinness World Records. So we started breaking them together. Like he oh, would like cool. go break the men's record and I would go after the women's record. And we just started doing this together. And um, so I, I, I broke the flat water record and then I went up to the Yukon and broke the moving water record. And, um, and then I entered the longest nonstop paddling race in the world, um, which is called the Missouri river 340. It's, um, a 340 mile paddle from Kansas city to St. Charles Whoa. down, down the Missouri river. And if you want to win, you do it nonstop. So I was like, I've, I've raced for three days without sleep before. I'm just want to be one of the people that just like good does the whole thing. So I just, I just had a lot of good paddling success right out of the box, like because of my adventure racing background, like a lot of the people in that race kind of assumed you had to sleep every night. They'd pull over on the banks and take a nap for a couple hours. I was like, why stop if I don't need to, 
I'm just going to yeah. go until I'm either incoherent or upside down and, you know, see if I finish before either of those things happens. <laughs> and so I just blew through the whole thing. And, and I ended up setting the women's course record and being second overall, like overall out of the 325 solo paddlers in the race. Wow. And I was like, oh my, you know, like literally kind of in, in that process, I realized like, you know, I had found a whole new sport that I was maybe even better that mm. better at than adventure racing, which I never would have known. Right. And along a parallel track at the time I was sort of, you know, discovering paddling and, and other sports and, and what I was, you know, maybe capable of there that I never would have known. I said, okay, what if, um, cause I still had like adventure racing sponsors on board and, and you know, I needed to help them fulfill what they came for, which is to reach people at adventure sports. And I was like, what if this isn't just about like me racing and my team racing? What if, and like this idea came to me in the shower one day, which is where all good ideas come from, obviously. Right. And, and all of a sudden I went, boom, I got it. Like, let's help survivors of medical or traumatic setbacks live an adventurous dream as part of their recovery. Mm-hmm. So kind of like do for other people what I, I had done for myself, like turn a setback into a different kind of comeback. Mm-hmm. And so the Project Athena Foundation was born in, um, in 2009. And um, so we've been for the last, gosh, 12 years now, we, um, we help survivors live an adventurous dream as part of their recovery. And it's about them showing the world what an incredible badass they are, you know, after being setback in their life. And um, it's so cool. It's so cool because like people go from, from kind of like being the person in their family that everyone was nervous about and looked after and called everybody to make sure they were okay. And like, they were the weak one, they were the sick one. And, and they're so over that. (laughs) Like they're so done with that. And this is their moment to like step onto the world stage and, and do something that 99.9% 99.9% of their totally healthy friends and family would never even imagine doing. Yeah, and here they are, the survivor that is like hiking all the way across the Grand Canyon in one day or um, kayaking and riding all the way from Key Largo to Key West, 120 miles over, over three days, or hiking all the way across Zion National Park in two days. And they go home like feeling like they are this badass endurance athlete. And that whole cloak of injury and sadness and and illness and weakness disappears yeah within like three or four days i was gonna say i just i now have a ton of comments and questions for i mean first off i feel so guilty because we talk about i can't make it past five minutes on the bow flex so already i feel extremely <laughs> five minutes is about four minutes more than he's being honest with you <laughs> that is the truth <laughs> hashtag truth and i have my same two hips that i've always had i don't even have any replacements what would chuck norris say Ugh. No, Chuck Norris would, would be, just look at me and I would fall down. He'd, he'd be embarrassed. <laughs> yes. That's what he would be. I, so, um, man, okay, so many points. But I guess up for like with Project Athena, I, I've been a part of a foundation before that was in Oregon that would do something similar like this. They'd be whitewater rafting. But to this point, all of these groups that would go for five days, I had to spend five days on a river, sleeping in my canoe and the whole thing. But everybody there, I think what you're saying is they they had either were like paraplegics or they had PSTD or they were burn victims. I went with teenagers and the common denominator was all of them had one of their parents that had committed suicide. And so the campfire discussions, you know, so it's physical and mental and spiritual, a lot that went with it with yours. 
what exactly do they do? Is it all around racing? Is it on land water? I mean, because you're, you, you do a lot with paddle sports, obviously. What, what is it specifically with Project Athena? So our, um, yeah, you're right. There's the physical component and then there's the spiritual component. And um, our survivors, like we, we sort of started out um, for it to be like kind of cancer survivors. Mm-hmm. And we just started getting applications from just all kinds of survivors. So we don't even label it anymore. Like we've, we've helped people with traumatic brain injuries and, and a woman who had both of her teenage children commit suicide and oh, um, lots of cancer survivors, lots of amputees, blind people. Um, we had a stage four cancer survivor do rim to rim to rim in the Canyon. Um, you know, we like, I mean, people with all kinds of braces and traumatic injuries and, um, PTSD and, and, um, domestic violence. And I mean, there's a couple of our survivors. We don't even know their real names because they were mm. too afraid, you know, to even let their real names out in the world because they're, you know, their exes were going to find them if, if they discovered like there was an article about this event or something. So, you know, it's, you know, basically we, we do, we turn those setbacks into comebacks and we do it in the form of endurance sports, Okay, not racing, but just endurance because, um, there's something about training for like everyone trains for four to five months leading up to these things. Oh, wow. So there's like an intense yeah. training plan. Um, you know, we, we train people, you know, as though it's, it's not an Ironman training plan, but like the length of it, like you train for that long mm. to, you know, to accomplish these things. And it's an in-depth, I mean, you're training five days a week, you know, and our coach tells you exactly what to do. And she checks off your different, you know, different levels of training that you do. You send in your GPS tracks there's all kinds of um, diet and packing and what to wear and what to do and what to eat and what not to eat. And like, it's all, you get like a, like a, a, uh, an entire masters in endurance mm. events. Wow, that's and amazing. yeah. And then, and then, you know, then we do these adventures when we do them, we do them all as one big team. So we'll have 30 to 40 people that are like, usually the group is about a third survivors and two thirds fundraisers. So anybody can come with us. And it's kind of neat because, you know, the way that that came about is, um, is that we had, when we would pick our survivors, a lot of their family and friends wanted to come along on the trip. And we're like, well, we can't afford that. What are we going to do? <laughs> <Right>. so, like, <laughs> so like, what if they raise some money? <laughs> and so, you know, now it's like a third on all our adventures. It's about uh, between 30 and 60 people. And at least a third of the group are the survivors and, and two thirds are fundraisers. And it basically like all of the fundraisers cover all of the expenses for, in essence, for the entire adventure for the survivors. Yeah. So it's really, really cool. Um, and we, we travel as one big team. Um, like we're sort of what we learned in adventure racing is that, that the whole, the way that you win is not to go the fastest, but to slow down the least and to also, mm-hmm do what we call suffering equally. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and that's, it's like that, that was our goal. It's like, we're all going to suffer equally and that's how we're going to win. And, and kind of how we did that in adventure racing and how we were so consistently successful was because if someone was struggling, 
we would take a lot of the weight out of their pack and give it mm. to a stronger person. Yeah. Um, if someone wasn't, it was a, not a great paddler or was throwing up that day, they, they went in the boat with the best paddler. Or yeah. if someone was slow on the mountain bike, we threw a tow line on them or, or hiking. We would lift like literally a tow line, like a bungee cord, mm. a real yeah. tow line. We would, we would hook them up with a carabiner and a tow line. Like we were the team that was always moving weight around, towing each other, carrying each other. And because our, our strengths were collective and our weaknesses were collective. It, it, it created this amazing consistency mm. of, of results and consistency of pace um, that we created in Project Athena. So, um, you know, in essence, if you're struggling, you, your job is to accept help, which is really hard for some people, but that is yeah. your job on a team. You know, your job is to let somebody take your weight for a while. Your job is to talk to one of the trail angels like me and figure out what you need and don't need in your system. Like we have all these protocols for, you know, how is this person suffering in heat? Is this person exhausted? Is this, you know, what's going on here? Is this person just, just carrying too much weight? So we can fix anything. You just have to let us. Um, sometimes we put people on tow. But then if you're really strong in the team, your job is to look around and go, I feel great right now. Who else can I help? And when everybody on the team has that same understanding that our strength and our, um, and our challenges are collective, like that's where the family bonding happens and that's where the magic happens. And so yeah. people like come as all these individuals that are like hoping to accomplish what they came to do, but they like kind of by like halfway through the first day and they realize that all of us as the leaders are setting that tone and we're creating this world where everyone's here, not just with each other, but for each other, like everything changes. Yeah. Like it goes from being this individual mission to, I want all of these other 30 or 40 people to get to this finish line with me. And I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. And we make it happen every time we all cross the finish line together. So, you know, I, I come back to, the idea of this thought of you're never defined by your setback, you know, for, for yourself, you, you get this news that you're going to need multiple hip replacements and you find this way to turn, you know, a tragedy that could at least could be defined as a tragedy for some um, into an opportunity. And I guess as I'm listening to you talk, it, it's very obvious to me of the importance of surrounding yourself with a supportive team. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was talking to you. Um, so, so in this transition from setback to comeback, it's, it's obvious to me of the importance of having a supportive cast around you to be able to help carry during these tough times. My, my, I guess my question is knowing that, that obviously it helps. There are so many people who don't have that. They don't have that group of people um, surrounding them to help support what's your what's your advice to to the person who has just experienced this setback uh they don't have a huge network to to sort of help them through it where do they find that strength that you did to to turn something that is that was so bad into an opportunity to look for other areas to shine um well, there's, there's a couple of different things running, running through my brain. Um, I think, I think a lot of finding your own comeback story lies in finding out what you love and finding out what you're great at. And that will lead to the second thing, which I'll go back to in a second. But I, I think 
I think sometimes like people pick a career or a sport or something um, that they feel like they're, they want to do or they're supposed to do. But somewhere along the way, if, you, if you're quiet with yourself and you, and you think and you're thoughtful about observing yourself and like, what do I love and what am I really good at that, that a lot of people aren't or that I don't even, I feel like I don't even have to try that hard to be kind of good at this. And other people are trying so hard. And there are so many of those things about each of us. Sure. And I think that when you have something funky, you know, happen in your life, um, you have to go toward the light. You have to go toward what, what you love. And you have to go toward helping other people and you have to go toward what your strength is. So you have to find that vein of gold. Like what's that vein of gold in me that I've never mined yet? Because a lot of your happiness is going to come from mining that vein of gold. You know, what you're great at and what you love that you find within yourself. Then step two of that is once you've kind of got that direction, that, that like your heart, when you know you're on the right track, your heart feels like it's ex- expanding. Like it feels like it's exploding. You kind of get goosebumps you feel drawn, like you feel magnetically drawn. And that's what I felt like when I, when I thought about Project Athena. And like all of a sudden, you're just taking on this stream of good juju, like heading yeah. you towards mm-hmm. where, where you're at the risk of sounding too woo-woo. But like that when you know you're on the right track, you do. You get goosebumps. Your heart feels like it's going to explode. And you start being drawn to groups of amazing people <laughs> yeah. who are yeah. heading the same direction that you're heading. And, and maybe that means like... Um, you know, for, for Project Athena, I had to find my trail angel staff. I had to find great coaches. I had to. And so I started, I started in, in, in seeking out those people to help this dream that was just in my head become reality. I had to find these other amazing people that had that same thought and mindset and gold within them that they wanted to serve. They wanted to help. They wanted to help others achieve their dreams, show, show them how amazing they are. And in that search, I found the most amazing family I've ever had in my life. You know, the family that not, not your blood family, but the family that you create. And now all the trail angels for Project Athena are my best friends and, and our coaching staff. And we have this amazing little cadre of people who just have one heart and one mind when it comes to doing what we do. But I found them in that pull toward, you know, toward what was, what I was great at and what I, what I loved. And, and so it's, it's not hard to find the right people when you're on the right path. They will meet you along the way. Yeah. I love this. So, and I want people to hear this specifically who are listening right now. Um, one of the things that Robin just said is, is that when you're struggling, when you have a setback, you are looking to mine places that have yet to be mined within you, which means it's not going to be obvious. It's not going to be that thing that you might have gone to time and time and time again. Maybe there's no gold left there mm-hmm. and you have to go for that undiscovered track, right? That that thing within you that maybe you have never taken the time to slow down enough to figure out where that exists because it's from there that you get that motivation, that you get the focus, that you get the will to go out and find these people along the path that are going to help along the way. And I think it's incredibly important to know that when you face a setback like this, you're not looking for the obvious, you're looking for the hidden, you're looking for the things that haven't been mined yet. And if you go into it, knowing that that's the case, there's no surprise. And I think that that's what hurts people in that scenario. At least I can speak from my own you know, experience. When you're surprised um, you make bad decisions. 
and, and if you go into something knowing that you're going to have to uncover something that you have yet to discover, uh, it certainly, you know, put, puts it into a different perspective. I know, you know, Alison Levine is a good friend of ours, um, you know, in her sort of talks of, of summiting, whether it's Mount Everest or whatever, you, you plan for setbacks, you plan that you're going to have to retreat before you move forward. And because of that, it doesn't have the same sting as being surprised, right? right. If right. You, before knowing that, I would have thought that summiting any one of these things, you just start at the bottom and you Power walk to through. the top and you get to the top and you're done. And she's like, no, you idiot. <laughs> that is not Two steps forward, one step back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's the, all yeah. these planned things in place. And, and when I hear this and hear you talk about it, what I really love is that if you plan for these setbacks, but but know that when you go to discover what's going to get you through them, it is something that you have yet to discover yourself. And that that knowing that you're going to have to go through that, um, at least you set yourself up for for what's to come and not like, oh my gosh, now what? You know, because the thing that I that I loved when I heard you sort of say, the doctor says, not just that you know, your, your hips are broke, but you're, you're never going to run again. Mm-hmm. Like that. I I've been in that doctor's office where I broke my arm, um, a shoulder and, you know, I was planning on playing professional baseball. And the first doctor that I see says, you're never going to throw again. And it imme- immediately throws you into this tornado. Yeah, why of, do they do that? Right. <laughs> I'm like, who the hell are you? where's your technicolor dream coat? You know, like, I don't, I don't, (laughs) you don't have that kind of power, but, but the idea is that surprise put me into the worst headspace of, of what the rest of my life was going to look like. And they would have just said, look, it's a setback. And I, you know, I don't know if this is where, where you're going to end up, but, but there's opportunities along this path. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, you know, the whole thing circling back to like, you're never defined by your setbacks, you're defined by your comebacks is that exact thing is life is a continual series of setbacks. Yep. And so you just have to decide, you know, you don't, it's not that you don't have to be bummed, you don't have to cry, you don't have to be sad, you don't have to, you know, sit in a corner for a couple of days, drink a bottle of wine, whatever, whatever you do, you know, out of the blocks to, to deal with the, you know, with the, the sadness of something. Yep. But the next morning you got to wake up and go, okay, it's comeback time. Yep. Yeah. You no. Know, and and what is that going to look like for me? How do I design that? How do I create that? Because it's a proactive thing. It's not going to come to you. You have to proactively create your comeback. Yeah. And and you know, real quick back to finding that you know that that vein of gold and and where you want to go next. I think the most important starting point or launch point for where you're gonna where you're gonna head next is the question. Not what do I want to do, but who or what do I want to help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When you set out to help, when you set out to help someone or something else, and you have that higher sense of purpose, mm-hmm. that is like a huge tailwind, you know, pushing you toward everything that you want to do next. And when you find who you want to help or what you want to do, like, you know, another one of my dreams is is my next mission after speaking and firefighting and paddling and doing all the stuff and project at the end. I mean, my next thing is I'm going to start an animal sanctuary mm-hmm. in, in Sedona. So like, it's like, it's like, okay, what or who do you want to help? And, and the answers to those things became project Athena and my dream of the animal sanctuary. Yeah. And, you know, and I think when you set out to, to do good 
you know, not just to do well when you set out to do, to do good. Um, Doing well is a nice sidebar sometimes, but it's not the most important thing. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living. Right. I think when you're when you were talking earlier is really to your question, Brant, when you were talking about what about people who maybe don't have that support, right? People that are listening right now that are always looking for some advice to make their personal or professional life better, whatever it is, but your answer, Robin, about a support system, like you, you might have to mind for it. You might have to look for it. You might find people that are going through some similar experiences, like some of the philanthropic stuff we talked about, but I think opening yourself up to be mentored, to learn, to join an association, to listen to podcasts, read books around things that can be positive, make you better. I mean, there's so many rich stories because um, when when I first saw the quote, I don't know where, did you come up with this quote or is this something that somebody said to you and it resonated with you? Let me start there for a second. No, it just, it popped out of my, my mouth during an interview one day about like, <laughs> about 10, 12 years ago for Project Athena. I and I was it. trying to encapsulate it like in one sentence and it just came out. I yeah. love it. So I, I think of people like uh, Bethany Hamilton, you know, she was the famous 13 year old girl that, that, you know, shark had bitten off her, her left arm, I think. And uh, it would be so easy for say, well, that's that. Right. But instead she learns how to surf. And if I remember the story correctly, like within a month, she's surfing with one arm and she had to have a custom board, but she now competes like on the circuit. And yeah. then I started to think on the entertainment side where it's not as life and death or you're losing a limb. You think about somebody like Robert Downey Jr. You're like, this guy was out. Like he was a really cool indie actor, right? But got addicted to, you know, different substances. You know, his wife leaves him. He, he literally is now at a point where he had to go to prison for a while. He decided that he really wanted to make a, a, his own come back and thankfully somebody gave him a shot. And now he's like the guy who kicked off the entire MCU with, with Iron Man and probably yeah. one of the most respected actors. So I think if somebody were listening, I, I guess I just wanted to reinforce that you're not alone, that you can absolutely, if you're open to it, and if you seek it and you find this, this goal that you're mining for, you can absolutely make this a comeback. I mean, we all love comeback stories anyway. We just actually had a whole discussion about the greatest sports movies ever are all about comeback. So if somebody's listening and they're like, man, my comeback is I suck financially or I'm lonely or I have lost a limb or whatever it is. I'm a horrible pod- uh, podcast host. co-host, right? <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it is, because you've carried me for years. I now believe that there's hope. So I guess I just want to thank both of you for the intervention and I'm out. I love, so I, I love this because it sort of leads right into our, our, our thought that we wanted to share with you, Robin, that I think, you know, is is part of the discussion that we've just had. Our thought comes from Robert Frost, the famous candy maker. Um, and it says this. Was he? Uh, was he? <laughs> is that not the same guy? Um, it's this. Step rock number two. In three words, I can sum up everything I've learned about life 
it goes on. When you hear those three words of it goes on, that's the reality that you're faced with in the middle of your setback, right? Because it, it, life's going to go on. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Right. Right. Are you sitting on the sidelines or are you on the bus or are you driving the bus? (laughs) Uh, So I I love sort of what you said earlier of take the time that you need. If you need a couple of days to go sit in a corner, to go do, to process, however you're going to process, you want to cry, you want to yell, you want to get angry, whatever it is, take that time. But, but there comes a moment that you've got to make that shift from uh, suffering the setback to starting the comeback. And I Uh think, I think that moment is when you accept the last three words here, which is it goes on. Mm-hmm. You accept the fact that life is going to go on. You have to decide how you're going to face that next. What is the advice you have for people who are at that crossroads right now of going, you know, this setback sucks so bad. Maybe I don't want life to go yeah. on as it did, or I don't want to, to live a life that I can't do the things that I loved so much beforehand. What, what happens at that crossroad? What got you to that other side? Um, I, I mean, I think there are some setbacks that are so traumatic, they, they take you out for a little while. Um, but I think, I think something changes and happens and and you guys have both said it in the last few minutes is, um, a decision. You make a decision. It's, it's not just, if you're closed off to the universe, it's not going to happen for you. But at some point you decide, and maybe even you say out loud, it's comeback day. Yep. You know, like just, you put that flag in the dirt and you say, yeah, I'm still going to be sad. Yeah. I'm still going to whatever, whatever it may yeah. be, but I am now open to what's next in my life. Yep. And when you open that door, just even mentally, you know, when you open that door to say, God, universe, whatever, guardian angels, whatever's going on out there, I'm ready. I'm ready for what's next. And I know that I'm great at this. I know that I love this. You know, what are you great at? What do you love? I always keep going about what are you great at? What do you love? You know, finding those two things. And if you can put those together, if what you're great at and what you love become the same path, I think once you open that door, at the risk of sounding too woo-woo, I have found time and time again that you start seeing, like you start getting sparks. You start getting things that start coming your way. All of a sudden you're like, just notice something on the road, you know, whatever that may be, like a store you've driven past 3000 times that whatever it is, like, oh, I just noticed that hot yoga place. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to start taking care of myself. But like you start noticing things in your yeah. universe that start telling you and helping you figure out what to do next because you're open. And, you know, and I, I really like, I found that in my life is when I'm open to something and I say, please, universe bring me the answers um somehow it always happens you know at the risk of sounding like the secret but (laughs) but but i do think it like it it brings people to you it brings ideas to you it brings awareness to you that you didn't have before when you're when it's comeback day when it's comeback time you know you have to start moving forward taking steps but also keep your head open your eyes open you know your heart open and things are going to come to you as well. And, you know, and you will see people along that path that are heading your way. Like my best friends in, in life and even my relationships have come from pursuing what I loved, whether it was, you know, training for Ironman or being a firefighter or, 
um, you know, or, you know, just meeting somebody at an, at an REI, you know, event for something I wanted to, to do or accomplish. You know, when, when you start down a path, you will find your like-minded people, yeah. you know, along the way. Yeah. But you have to, you have to proactively decide yeah. that comeback time and you have to start proactively taking steps towards doing what you love and doing what you're great at. What a fantastic way to look at it. I, I, everybody should have their own comeback day. Like you should, again, wherever you're going to plant that flag, especially if you're going through any tragedy, loss, obstacles. Yeah, today could be comeback day for a lot of people. You, you said something earlier um, when you were talking about, again, I'm going back to the support system, but your next step, your level up, what, whatever is going to be in Robin's futures. Now you will be a part of the village that helps pull people along or animals in this case. So you will become the support mechanism. So I think everybody that has gone through some strife before, even if they're seeking out others that can help them, I'll, I'll use my my daughter for an example. You know, she special needs. Um, went to Night to Shine. I don't know if you're familiar with that. This is Tim Tebow's way of basically creating a prom for everybody. Everybody gets crowned king and and queen of the prom, and it's a really cool moment. Well, the first year, especially my daughter's side, because she's on the higher end of the autism scale. We went and she had never had a chance to go to the prom and it was a great moment. But the next year, now we're counselors. We help other kids. And I think anybody who goes through, again, some type of obstacle or situation, if they've got that ability like you to then take it to the next level for others, it just it, it makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's funny. I was thinking, though, about Robert Frost because he was this quote, I think when we were looking was him responding to a question because he went through a ton of tragedy. I mean, this is this guy is arguably one of our great poets ever in history. But you know, at 11 years old, his father dies of tuberculosis. Mother dies of cancer. He he outlived four of his six children. He had to commit his own sister and his daughter and his wife at different times to mental institutions. But yet, this guy's still writing. Although maybe sometimes a little bit morbid, people will say, for the most part, he inspired and influenced so many other people. And it would be so easy for him to give up, put his head in the sand, whatever. But now you think even through all of those issues, he arguably has become a whole lot stronger with it. And I think just him saying life goes on, it wasn't sort of nonchalant, like whatever. I think he was just saying, you have to power through that. And I'm assuming this is the question for you in your talks, in your book, that that's the type of stuff that those are the messages that resonate with your, with your talks, right. Or your writing. You know, it's, it's funny. My, um, my, my, my keynote presentations are, yeah. are all about leadership and teamwork and, and kind of the, the setback to comeback is just a piece of, um, of what makes a team great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's that ability to quickly turn setbacks into, into comebacks. But, um, but I mean, that's the main thing I talk about is, is the, those eight essential elements that create human synergy, but we, actually use that same human synergy, you know, within Project Athena to create a world-class team. Yeah. But what we discovered in, in adventure racing, that there were like these, these eight really key elements that, that create what I call human synergy, where we're better together than any individual could ever be alone. Yeah. And since we kind of discovered this, it's something I try to recreate, you know, in everything, in everything that I do is I want to build this kind of world-class team and it's repeatable and it's scalable. Mm. Um, if you, if you know, you know, those key factors of, of how winning works. <laughs> gotcha. So what a perfect 
transition here to say, what's the best way for people to find out about these eight <laughs> specific ways? Uh, well, human synergy. Human synergy, to create yes. human synergy. What's the best way for them to stay in touch with you, to learn more about you? Is it social media? Where, where do you find you spend the majority of your time to connect with, with uh, people who want to learn more? Um, gosh, um, let's see. Let's see. My website um, is worldclassteams.com. There's a lot of good stuff on there. All my articles and you know everything I've written. Um, How winning works is is the book. I'm I'm on Instagram, but I don't usually answer on Instagram because I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a team is I'm for. Outside playing all day. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Three Guinness um, <laughs> World Records, and she can't use Instagram. <laughs> I think I'd, I I, I'd give up Instagram yeah. if I could do that. I don't know. I answer on LinkedIn sometimes. <laughs> um, oh, it's so funny. I am I am so bad. If it doesn't involve like building a team or playing outside or going on an adventure, I'm terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, so, or I can, you know, if you have a pen, I'll tell you what they are right now and you don't have to go anywhere. Do it. You want to know how to build Bring a truly world-class team in 30 yeah. seconds or less? Okay, yes. here we go. Right All right. Fire. It's. It's actually an acronym for teamwork. And I was, I was writing this down because Fast Company Magazine actually made me do it by accident. They featured our team in an article called Extreme Teamwork. And they took a, a look at the world's, consistently high, the world's most consistently high-performing extreme teams, mm-hmm. like our team and a team from Industrial Light and Magic and NASA and a team of Navy mm-hmm. SEALs and like from all these different walks of life. And they wanted to see what they could learn from us, we who are kind of competing at the top of our game in these extreme environments. And so I started writing down, like, what, what was it that made our team great? Because they wanted me to speak at a reader conference. And, like, just, like, stairway to heaven. Like, I was like, oh, this is an acronym for teamwork. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, so it actually is. Um, so the T is total commitment, you know, to the finish line. Yep. Uh, the E is empathy and awareness. So, like, that human connection to each other. Um, a is adversity management skills which is where we turn about, talk about turning setbacks into comebacks. Um, M is mutual respect. The W is we thinking versus me thinking. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about like all, how we carry each other's weight and the toe lines and everything was about we. Uh, o is ownership of the project. Um, how do we create the buy-in, 100% buy-in. Uh, R is relinquishment of ego. Got to leave your ego at the start line. It's the heaviest thing in your pack. And then K is kinetic leadership, meaning leadership that constantly flows and changes, You know, changing leaders as well as changing mm. leadership stuff. And if you have all of those eight essential elements in place in a team, a marriage, whatever, like in any relationship with another human being, if you have all of those eight elements, your team is going to rock. I have seven of eight. It's so crazy. I was just taking mental. Oh, I was, I was spelling. I thought there were two M's. Team team work. That's it. No. <laughs> D- does Robin know that it was only supposed to be one thought? She gave us I know. nine. No kidding. It's no, gonna be she's... nine thoughts that rock with Robin season, nine thoughts that rock. season four with Robin Benicasa <laughs> and her nine <laughs> thoughts. Each one of those could be its own podcast. She's going look, she knew Tom Peters had five thoughts. Yeah, and she's she just like, had to outdo nah. it. She's like, no, world record. He hasn't climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> so the thoughts that rock world record for most eight. thoughts in eight. one time. Oh, well, we get we did eight thoughts, but you gave us your oh, first thought too. So that eight. That's right, technically. Eight, eight. A lot of thoughts. Yeah. I love it. You're amazing. You really are amazing. This was, again, I know you guys met each other at some point before. Through Allison. Right, through Allison. Through okay. Allison Levine. Yep. Aided in the fifth grade. That's right. <laughs> really? Excellent. Oh, I, yeah. chased her, I chased her around the schoolyard until she finally said yes. 
And I just kept running and the running. The problem was she's an adventure mm-hmm. athlete. So <laughs> that endurance took me till at least college before I yep. got her. Boyfriend. <laughs> I chased a girl in third grade and then her boyfriend broke my leg. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about accurate. Yeah, it was a setback. <laughs> it's not a problem. Robin, you're awesome. We thank you so much. I know it took a while, as Brant said at the very beginning, but uh, we're so honored to have you here. And um, we look forward to sharing your story and all the greatness that you do with our entire audience. So you are are a badass. You're the best. You guys are awesome. You guys are my teammates forever now. You rock. Yay. We'll talk to you soon. Be good. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on! Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.